0: to this morning or that the way that we live we want that to be a love song what we say to people how we handle people how we speak to you how we carry ourselves the circumstances that we find ourselves in the, the behavior that we that we step into with those within those circumstances Lord all of that is supposed to be a love song to you, a love story back to you. Because we don't want to get to a point where we, uh, with the way that we're living, that you overpaid for what you're getting back. Lord, we want to give back to you what you deserve. And that's 100% of all of what's in us at every moment, in every circumstance, and in every situation beseeching you fervently and urgently asking for your direction lord we want that to be a love song we want to love you with the way that we live so holy spirit we pray that you would be here in this moment on this day speak through this message holy spirit we need more of you in this room We always say we're not going to move forward until you are with us. We refuse to take a step without you. So this morning, we, we ask for more, more, more. Have your way this morning, Lord. We want your will to be done. We love you. We thank you. We need you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome this morning trust that everybody is is doing all right. I always say every Sunday, thank you for being here. You could spend your time anywhere else, but you choose to spend it with us. So we're humbled by that. I'm humbled by that. Could we grab those lights back there and then the ones in the back as well so you guys can see. Today is uh it's an interesting Sunday. Not in that it's any different from any other Sunday, but We are going to continue in Nehemiah, and at the same time, today's Palm Sunday. Uh, It's the day that Jesus walked into Jerusalem, so we have to touch on that. We have to talk about that. Uh, But what's interesting, I love it, is that where we're at in Nehemiah is a perfect segue into Palm Sunday. And it is completely um, the Spirit and God who lets those things run into each other like that. Uh, And so... I'm just in in awe of what the Lord does with us, um, his plan, getting us from one place to the other. And um, just the fact that these, where we're at, Nehemiah, um, connecting this to the triumphant entry is uh, something that we're going to look at today. I'm just uh, happy that the Lord let these two things (laughs) be smashed together because honestly, I didn't want to get away from Nehemiah. But at the same time, hey, Palm Sunday, you got to touch on that. It's kind of a responsibility to do that um, with Easter coming up. But two weeks ago, we finished up Nehemiah, finished up the, the prayer of Nehemiah. Uh, it took us, you know, about four, excuse me, eight weeks to get through that, um, about two months. And his prayer probably lasts every bit of a minute and a half. But as we broke that prayer down, we saw how Nehemiah's heart towards the Lord how Nehemiah's heart was changed in some circumstances, but also how he approached the heavenly throne. That's important. How we pray is important. And we saw that through Nehemiah in his prayer. And then we opened up chapter two. See, the end of chapter one, Nehemiah made a request. He asked for favor with this man. And this man was the king at that time. He was a cupbearer. Cupbearer is a pretty big job. So, In the beginning of chapter 2, we actually see Nehemiah's prayer get answered. Now, the interesting thing about the opening up of chapter 2 that we talked about last week was that it was the Lord's doing, the Lord's circumstance that he set up. It was his arena and his timing, his what? His divine timing. That Nehemiah, all he did, he he just prayed fervently day and night. He didn't know that it was going to be four months. We saw that in the beginning of chapter 2, there's a date there. Well, then In the beginning of chapter 1, there's also another date, and that gives us a timeline. So we took that timeline and called it 120 days. All right, It could have been a little bit more, a little bit less, because we don't have specific days. We saw in Haggai that he gave us specific days. Well, that's not the case in this one. So if you think about it, it could have been from December. We um, landed on that with the, the Jewish calendar to April with the... That being our timeline, it could have been the beginning of December, the end of April. That's five months, actually. So what I'm just trying to say is we just called it 120 days. But some things happened within that 120 days that we pulled out. The Nehemiah had no idea after day 68 if the Lord was going to answer his prayer when he still had to get up and go to work. He was fervently um, burdened with having to go back to Jerusalem and build this wall. And he prayed about that. We saw the prayer day and night for 120 days. He didn't know if it was the 96th day that the Lord was going to answer his prayer. But that doesn't matter. It matters that every single day he woke up and he got on his knees. And then guess what? He just went to work. And the Lord granted him favor in front of the king, which in that time, had you come in with a messed up face or a sad face or whatever, he said, look. I don't really want you around anymore, and I'm going to kill you off with your head. So Nehemiah had favor every single day. He never showed up with a sad face. All right, that brought us into Nehemiah 2, where we see the answering of this prayer. That was a an arena in which the Lord chose to answer. And I came at you guys with this statement that he, being God, is in time on time, every time. Amen? He's in time, on time, every time, and he's never late. And that's because he has a plan. I want you to hang on that word. He's got a plan. And that plan is perfect. Like I said, he's never been late in that plan. Everything. When I use the word everything, that's an extreme. (laughs) It's interesting that in our marriage counseling, we try to get couples to Get away from using extremes like every everything, always, all the time because you don't always leave the dishes out. You don't always not do the laundry. You no, know, there's times where you do it, you know. Hey, give me some credit, you know what I'm saying? So we try to stay away from those extremes. But here we can marry that extreme that every single time the Lord has always been on time and every time he's shown up. And that in and of itself, ladies and gentlemen, is a reason to praise the Lord every single day. Amen. And I'm hoping that we do that, that you can see that what you've stepped into in your life, in your circumstances and in situations, they have not always been easy, but the Lord's always been there. And I know that he's tried to show you that whether we've been paying attention to it or not. But again, those 120 days, that was not a set time period. That was decided upon by Nehemiah. That's just how long it took. But here again, that was a part of the plan. The Lord picked the time and the place upon which Nehemiah would be questioned by the king. Now today, we're going to go through Nehemiah 2 verses 3 through 8. And there's a lot of stuff in here. I'm going to try to get through this, not quickly. But what I want to do is is make sure that we don't miss what's going on here. And then we're going to jump to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. 1 through 17, and we're going to read about the triumphant entry. But there's something else in those 120 days that is significant that I I want to bring to the table today. Now, can we get that scripture up on on the screen, the Nehemiah 3? Here we go. I could not get past verse 4 in my study. We're going to go through verses 3 through 8. We're going to read it, and there's a lot of stuff in there. But there's something in verse 4 that I believe is so important to not overlook. Um, Like I said, sometimes in the Word, if you read past something too quick, you can miss it, miss the significance of it. I kind of equate that to an eastern Colorado town. If you blink, pass right through it. We don't want to do that with the Scripture. I just encourage you guys, when you open up the Word, number one, to open up the Word every single day. But that you slow down. It's okay to slow down for whatever reason. I could not get past verse four, but I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you. And we're going to open this up just a little bit. Uh, Verse three, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire. Now, before I go on, the king basically asked Nehemiah, why are you sad? Now, for the king to even ask that is a big, big thing. Instead of him just not even caring and saying, look, you're sad. Get out of here. He asks him, why are you sad? And this is his response. Verse 3, but then verse 4, then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. We're going to come back to that. Now, let's keep going. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. Verse 7, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me from the governor's of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And then the last verse for today and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me, because the good hand of my God was on me. All right, he, here's the The answering of the prayer. This boy was on his knees with a burden that wasn't just, oh, you know what? I think I need to do this. it, it, It tells us that he wept and he mourned for days over this. So he got on his knees and he prayed. We saw that prayer. He goes before the king. The king answers. Here's the favor. We just read right through it. Now, I told you to hang on this word, plan, that the Lord has a plan. Now, I don't want to get to this too quick, but those gates and the fact that it's Jerusalem has something to do with the triumphant entry. It's all connected. We're going to get there. But before we get there in verse 3, let's get verse 3 back up there. We see Nehemiah responding with a real response. And I touched on this last week a little bit. Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Number one, that's a real response. In the presence of a king, of somebody who has serious authority, he didn't try to downplay what was going on in him. He just said, look, here it is. And that can be scary sometimes. But if you go back and you listen to some of the messages before now... Nehemiah was more concerned about how he approached his heavenly father than he did an earthly authority. And that's what gave him the confidence to say this because he knew where he was coming from. He knew who he was getting favor from. Does that make sense? So he comes with a real response. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be real, you got to know where you came from. You have to understand the power that sits behind your sternum. And then at the end of the day, you answer to Jesus. Guess what? The beginning of the day. You answer to Jesus. All minutes in between and seconds in between, who do you answer to? You don't, you don't answer to an earthly authority, although we're supposed to respect earthly authority. Why? Because it's all been set up by Jesus. It's all been set up by God himself. Are you guys trucking with me on that? And then he says, what would you request? And this is where I got stuck. Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed. Man, you think Nehemiah has been doing enough praying up to up until this point? he has been praying for 120 days straight. He walks into the court. The king finally, the Lord finally allows Nehemiah to look sad and allows the king to recognize that. He asks him a question and he immediately goes back to what prayer? He doesn't abandon it. I don't know how many times I've had my prayers answered in the past. And then in the midst of the Lord, in the midst of the arena in which he's answering my prayer, in that moment, I abandon prayer. See, Nehemiah doesn't do that. And this speaks to a narrative within the Christian body that I think needs to be uh, brought to light. And I'm just going to let this pass through the pulpit. I'm going to challenge you in it. I'm going to touch on it real quick. Then we're going to move on in these verses. But there's two sad narratives in the Christian body today. And I'm not trying to be diagnostic about who she is. I'm just bringing this about, all right? We have to be real, okay? That's what I was talking about. We got to be real. But this is not to beat us up. There's two sad narratives in the Christian body, and one is when believers say, I prayed about it and it didn't work. Now, first of all, I'm not saying anybody in here has said that, (laughs) but I hear that a lot. I prayed about it, and it didn't work. Number one, I'm going to caution you in this. Don't disrespect the God that you serve by saying that. Um, The man who knew you before you were even born knows every hair on your head. When you speak to him, he is listening. So I just want to say very lovingly, let's not, as a body, let that ever come out of our mouths or, or ever let ourselves believe that, that I prayed about it, and it didn't work. Now, there's a second narrative that I believe brings light to why we land on that sometimes, Um, and it's this. When Christians say to other Christians, and I just want to make sure that we understand how we're supposed to act after we say something like this. When Christians say to Christians, just pray about it and then leave it alone. Just pray about it and then leave it at the cross. Now, that sounds like a good thing to say. It sounds like a good thing to say to someone, hey, just pray about it and then let it alone. I don't see that here. I don't see the Lord saying just pray about it and then walk away. Because Nehemiah prayed about it for 120 days. And then what did he do? He got asked a question and he kept praying. He kept engaging in his relationship with the Lord. He didn't abandon that. Now, let me set this up real quick. Let me paint this picture. That what I'm not saying is to not make your request known. All right? The Lord wants us to be specific in our request to him. Matthew 7, 7. So we can understand that he's not saying don't ask. He's saying by all means ask me. That's his desire. Nehemiah had been asking for almost four months. Now, Nehemiah displays a behavior in those 120 days of prayer and also this snapshot of a moment in verse 4. Now, what I appreciate about Nehemiah, and I already touched on this, is that he didn't try to downplay the weight of his emotion or the weight of the reality of the situation by doing this. And this is what I'm guilty of and have been guilty of in the past. When we say just pray about it and leave it, what I try to do and have tried to do in the past is I'm just not going to think about it. I'm not going to pay it any attention, and I'm not going to con- uh, um, let me let me get back to my notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to pay it any attention, and I'm not going to talk about it. After having said I prayed about it, okay. Well, let me let me let me say this that that is not a due diligence type thing that you just prayed about it and then you're good. What am I getting at? I don't for one second believe that a relational God in your request to him is asking you to step outside of one of the foundational principles and cornerstones by which he manifests himself to us and through us. And what is that relationship? Relationship. The Lord has a plan. And that plan is going to come to fruition through relationships and through the content of those relationships. Now, Nehemiah, in this verse four, I see that he never abandons his relationship with God. Why would he ask you at all ever to pray about something and leave it alone or leave it at the cross, which is a good place to leave it? okay? But he's never asking you to abandon or leave your relationship with Christ at his cross as well. Do you hear me when I say that? Pray about it and leave it alone, but don't leave me alone. Pray about it and leave it there. Okay, did you leave your relationship with him there too? <laughs> He's not asking you to say, Lord, I'm I'm doing this. I'm putting this request before you and let's talk about it here. And I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to leave you over there as well. I don't see that. Now, that's why I couldn't get past verse four, because this man had spent so much time in prayer on his knees. He's in front of the king. The king asks him a question. And he goes immediately back to prayer immediately. I want us to see that. That Nehemiah is not abandoning his relationship with God in that moment. Ladies and gentlemen, do we do that? Do we abandon our relationship with the Lord in the midst of the prayer subconsciously or consciously? I'm not saying you consciously say, hey, I'm stepping away from this, but I don't want to skip over this one. So it's me proclaiming the word to you saying and asking you a question within your requests that you put in front of Jesus. He's asking you to take him along with you throughout the entire process because there's a plan in it. Amen? You guys catching me on that? You Trucking with the brother? Okay. All right. Haven't used that one in a while. Yes, you need to leave it at the cross. But what should transpire afterwards is this, is a dialogue between you and Christ, not a monologue, a dialogue. He wants to speak with you and to you all the time, and it's not us speaking at him. It's not him speaking at us. I want to bring to reality the seriousness of how much he wants to have a relationship with you and how much he needs you to have relationships with each other so that he can manifest himself through you to other people. Does that make sense? That's essential. Now, what I believe this did, and there's a principle within verse 4, as we move from verse 4 into verse 5, is that because of his continual pressing into his relationship with God, it was the praying day and night that did something. It activated that relationship. How do we expect to benefit from a relationship with Christ when we don't do relationship-type stuff with Christ. You want to benefit from a relationship with Jesus? You have to step into a relationship with Jesus. (laughs) So you can get relationship-type stuff. You can get him working in your life. How do I know that to be true? The Scripture says as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. That's it. As we step in, he steps more towards us as well. But there's also another biblical basis for this activation. Now, real quick, do we have um, Proverbs 16, 3? I'll get this up here. And I told you guys to hang on to this word plan. Within those 120 days, Nehemiah didn't just pray about it and then kind of leave it and keep talking to the Lord about it as much as here's what I want you guys to understand that in the midst of your praying, The Lord's going to download into you a plan for something, and he wants you to be specific about it. And how do I know that Nehemiah was specific about it? That transpires in verses 5 through 8 on how Nehemiah spoke and shot with precision after the king asked him something. He didn't shoot from his hip. He didn't just say, oh, you know, I think I kind of need this would be nice. Thanks. No, that boy said, look, I need this. I need this and I need it now. Within those 120 days, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the Lord was saying to Nehemiah in, in detail, but nonetheless, he was formulating a plan in him. When you activate that relationship, when you continue to speak to him, he downloads stuff into you, stuff that comes out, things that come out at a moment of God's choosing. But this is Proverbs 16, 3, and this is what I believe Nehemiah did. For those four months, it says commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit the way you think to the Lord. Commit the way that you act to the Lord. Commit your idea of what the end result will be to him. And in the process, in the 120 days, in the four months, he might move some things around. You know what? He can do that because he's God. (laughs) He's got a plan. He's got it all figured out. But as we see in verse 5 through 8, which we're about to read, Nehemiah's plans were established because he spent his time committing his way and his works to the Lord. Do you guys see that? Do you hear that? All right. One more. Proverbs three 6. Let's put that one up there. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Nehemiah spent time on his knees making sure that God knew God was God in his life over everything. Period. Start to finish. And in everything that he did, the king asks him a question, and what does he do? Verse 4, so I prayed. He's acknowledging the Lord in all his ways, and he's going to make his paths straight. So on that day before the king in that arena, plans were established, and a plan was set in motion for Nehemiah. It marked the beginning of the action of his prayer being answered. And it caused him, like I said before, to shoot with precision and not from the hip. He didn't stutter. Now let's read verses 5 through 8. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, which I may rebuild it. Now, Judah, Jerusalem, okay? Jesus walked into Jerusalem in the triumphant entry. Now, to me, there's a connection there. The Nehemiah is burdened to go rebuild the wall of a city. That Jesus is going to walk into and at the moment Jesus walks into that city, a plan is activated. A plan is in motion. That triumphant entry means so much and there's so much in that. But it talks about verse six. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And I gave him a definite time. There's honor. In that as Nehemiah is in this circumstance of his prayer being answered, he not only honored the king, he honored the father. Now the father is honoring him. Let's go to this next verse. Here's his request. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, send me however you want to send me. Doesn't say that, does it? (laughs) He comes with something that's pretty specific. Let letters be given me from the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. See, he knew what he needed. I think that that got downloaded into him in those 120 days. But because he was continually wanting to walk with the Lord and not just leave it there and go try to think about something else and concentrate on something else, this is what got downloaded into him. This is what you need. This is what I need you to ask for. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, for the house which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Those gates are the same gates that Jesus walked through. Same gates. That's, oh man, I'm getting getting chills just thinking about it, all right? When I opened up this message saying that I love how the Lord brings all of this together. The triumphant entry is the Lord walking into Jerusalem. People screaming Hosanna, which means save now. Save us, save us. Nehemiah, when the plan was initiated in him to go rebuild this wall, I think it was specific to Jesus, period, walking through those gates. There's a massive connection there. His plan, I'm not saying is, or excuse me, his purpose, I'm not saying is the same as Jesus's purpose. But nonetheless, they both had purpose. And nonetheless, they both had a plan. And nonetheless, both plans were initiated by God himself. And I just love how they're connected. <laughs> so again interesting that Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He's asking for these these things that are very, very specific. And on this day today, one week before Resurrection Sunday, Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And I said it already that on this day a plan was initiated, a triumphant plan plan. I believe Nehemiah's burden and plan was victorious and triumphant as well because it was connected to this moment. This plan wasn't like Nehemiah's to rebuild a wall and reestablish the Lord's order in a community. That's what Nehemiah's purpose was. But this triumphant entry had, I don't want to say nothing to do with that. I can't say that. But Jesus's purpose was different in that his plan, this plan was to rebuild the lives of men and women and to reestablish God's government in every believer. This plan was specifically about relationships. The Lord didn't want Nehemiah to walk away from his relationship with him in order for plans to be established in him. For him to get details upon which he was supposed to do what he was supposed to do. That's a relationship. The parallel between Nehemiah and Jesus is that word. That Jesus walks into Jerusalem. Because every person that is laying down coats and palm branches. He knew each and every one of those people. He knows you. And he wants to have a deep and lasting relationship with you. Because the triumph at the end of this thing, the story from now up until Jesus walks out of that tomb, the victory, my goodness. It's not about him walking in. It's not about people putting that stuff down. It's not about uh, Peter denying him. It's not about everything that transpired from that moment until he was nailed to the cross, as much as it was about him walking out of the tomb, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Come on now. And this is the beginning, the initiation of that plan. Turn to, uh, to Matthew 21, 1 through 17. I'm just going to read this real quick. And this is the this is the triumphant entry. I got to hurry up. Yeah. They only give me 25 30 minutes on a Sunday mornings. Not enough. It's not enough. Okay. So Matthew 21 1 through 17 and I love when I hear the the pages um, turning. Cuz that means you you got your word or the the swiping. I don't know if you really hear that, but the swiping of the, yeah. <laughs> when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethlehem of the Mount of Olives, I'm pretty sure I butchered that word. Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall or you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them this took place to fulfill that will, that uh, excuse me this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet say to the daughter of zion behold your king is coming to you gentle gentle and mounted on a donkey even a colt the foal of a beast of burden the disciples went and did just as jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats Now, most of the crowd spread their coats on the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the roads. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest.
1: Hmm.
0: When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus From Nazareth in Galilee and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all of those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he hit them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise for yourself. And he left them and went out to the city to Bethany. And spent the night there. Now, the triumphant entry is in all four Gospels, which means that it has major significance. (laughs) Duh. You know? But there's different, not not necessarily different accounts, but just different perspectives in all four Gospels. Now, the interesting thing about this triumphant entry that I'm just going to bring to light today. Because this, in and of itself, could be a preaching or a series that could go on for a couple of years, we know that I don't have a couple of years on this. But what we see, the part that stuck out, uh, stood out to me, in relationship to just having talked about Nehemiah, is that all of these people were screaming Hosanna, which means Save now. And believers and non-believers alike were up underneath Roman rule at that time. So there was a lot of people who thought that this Messiah, this Savior, was going to lead a revolt against Rome, against that tyranny, against that leadership that was well, not good at that time. All right, So they're thinking that this is the answer to my prayer, and this is what it's going to look like. He's going to ride in on a valiant steed or Uh, I don't know if I have the right words for that, but um, yeah, on this massive horse, knight in shining armor, this boy comes in on a donkey, all right? Makes me wonder, like, I don't need the best office. I don't need the best desk. I don't need the best this, that, and the other thing because Jesus rode into town on a donkey, all right? (laughs) So all of these people have this perspective that he's going to be this thing, and a couple days go by. And he's not there for the purpose that they had set up. Nonetheless, the plan that the Lord had set in motion as he walked into that town had been initiated. The very people who were saying Hosanna were the same people who upon their plan not coming to fruition, their circumstances not being played out, were the same people saying crucify him. That's heavy. And he... This is not – let me say this. At this point, Jesus had been on the earth for 33 years. So he didn't just wake up and then the Lord plopped him here a week before this time. And then all of a sudden, this event is taking place as much as he has spent time with his disciples. One of those disciples is Peter. He spent time – Building a relationship with these guys. Continuing to activate that relationship. And those disciples and people who follow Jesus were activating that relationship in return. As you read through the Gospels and what happens in this this holy week. Peter is one of those guys who what? He denies Christ three times. He walked away. He abandoned his relationship with the Lord for a stolen moment, so he didn't get killed. What I love about the, the contrast from Nehemiah to, let's just take Peter. Nehemiah didn't do that. A lot of times we see in the word, um, here's, what's, what, here's an example of what not to do. Nehemiah is a perfect example of what to do. This man prayed for so long, the king asks him a question, he goes right back to that. Here are these people saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save me now. You're not saving me the way I want you to save me. (laughs) So let's crucify him. That's heavy. This triumphant entry, there's so much more to it. That's one of the things that stood out to me that I wanted to bring to you guys this morning. Also. His purpose in riding into Jerusalem was to make public his claim to be their Messiah. And king of Israel, in fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy, Matthew says that the king coming on the foal of a donkey was an exact fulfillment of Zechariah 9-9. It was the fulfillment of a plan, of his divine plan, his divine will being initiated. Now, we're going to get to Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, I love that part. Resurrection Sunday, when he walked out of the tomb. Hopefully you guys will have an, uh, an opportunity to come to our noonday services. We're going to pick apart and look at the seven things that Jesus said from the cross. There's Good Friday service when he's, he, finally, he finally passes away. There's a lot that transpires in this week, but here's the initiation of that journey. And that journey, ladies and gentlemen, is a love story. That if I was to be able to look at each one of you guys in the eye this morning, probably miss a few people. His triumphant entry was not only into Jerusalem, but also into each and every one of y'all's hearts. Specifically. That sometimes we walk away From our relationship with the Lord. Not that it ceases to happen, but we have this perception of who and how He's supposed to answer our prayers. And at one point we're saying, Save me now. And at the next, are we saying, with how we live our life and what we do to crucify Him? Are we saying that? I'm asking for you to be real with yourself this morning, but also understand that this was an initiation of a plan. That when the Lord walks into your life, there's a triumphant entry into your heart. That at the end of the story, it, there's victory. It's, it's a triumphant entry for a reason. <laughs> so that because he walked out of the tomb, we can have access and we can have a relationship. Does that make sense? Good. Good. Because if it doesn't, please shake your head. No, and we'll talk afterwards. But let's get ready for our offering um, and bring our worship team back up here this morning. A triumphant plan initiated. I so appreciate Nehemiah's behavior and posture, not only towards earthly authority. Can we keep those backlights on for me? Thanks. Um, and can you – did we turn those off? Can we flip those back on? Uh, yeah, triumphant plan initiated. I, I so appreciate how Nehemiah carried himself in in this arena in which God answered his prayer and that he never divorced his relationship with him. So I'm just asking you guys this morning. That if we have stepped away, to step back. And if you are currently in, to step even closer to where Jesus has you. I'm going to pray for this offering. We're going to pass this plate. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for what you're doing this morning. Lord, we, we understand that there's a plan that has been initiated in our lives. But, Lord, on this day, some however many years ago, there was a plan that was initiated when you walked into Jerusalem. And that end result was so that we can have access to you. We thank you for that this morning. And it was as, as it was prayed this morning, Lord, we pray that that's something that we don't think of as happening so many years ago. That it's as real now, today, as it was some 2,000 years ago. You triumphantly entering into our hearts, that moment when we gave you our life. Lord, we pray that you make that real this morning. I pray as this plate goes by, Lord, that you would allow us to give joyfully. Give from a place in our heart that you have been working on. We pray that what gets put in here would be uh, a resource that can bless you for adding of the seats to the kingdom. That's what we want, Heavenly Father. So we love you. We thank you. We pray that you would bless the offering, so that we can bless you in Jesus' name. You guys can go ahead and pass that. So maybe there's an individual or multiple individuals in here who you haven't yet made that that step, cross that threshold. To where you have access to the throne. You've received Christ into your life for the first time. And you've prayed that specific prayer. Saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Which separates me from you. But because of what you did this week. Dying on the cross. And not only that, but walking out of the tomb. I now have access to you. And can be connected to you. Maybe you've never never prayed that before. If today's a day where you feel like the Lord... Well, let me just say this. You don't feel like it. You know God's moving on you. To make that leap, to take that step. First, I'm just going to ask everybody, let's stand up, let's 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 close for today. But if that's you, to simply just raise your hand. And we got people ready to pray with you. To pray you through that. To make that commitment to Christ. So right now, Heavenly Father, if there's anybody in this room who you've been moving on, Lord to transfer the trust from from themselves to you, knowing that they can't do it on their own, but they want to make you their Lord and personal Savior where their name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life for eternity, Heavenly Father. That's, That's what you're looking for. If there's anybody today who you've been moving on, God, I pray that you would just release them, that you put your hand up in the air, and we'll pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Father. And if anybody in this room is serious about their walk with Christ and wants to dive into a deeper relationship with him, it's called discipleship. It's learning what the red letters say about following Christ. If anybody in here wants to step into a deeper level of discipleship, we have means by which to help you out with that. If that's something that the Lord has put on you in this moment, again, just raise your hand. We'll have somebody come talk to you and give you some information, but we want to deepen our relationship with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before we close, before we have our time with the Lord here, I don't do this often, but if anybody in the in the course of that message had a word dropped into them for this morning that's corporate for the body, I'm going to say now is the time to release that. And it could be anybody; it doesn't have to come from our leadership. Huh? You could be could have been driving here this morning, and the Lord drops something into you, and you know that's not the the pizza that you ate last night. It's Jesus speaking to you. I just want to give you an opportunity to bring that, if that's in you. Hallelujah. And that's okay. Heavenly Father, you're doing something this morning. You have initiated plans within us for something that is greater than us. We saw in Nehemiah, Lord, that you, you did something in him before you did it through him. Lord, you you may be doing something in us right now, but we know that you want to do something through us. And Lord, thank you for the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, Lord, where you came uh, on a donkey. Lord, not on some amazing horse and all dressed in royalty and knight-shining armor. Lord, you, you came to have a relationship. You came humble. Lord, you want us to do the same, to be humble, but also to understand that, Lord, there's victory at the end of this thing. There's victory in the middle of it. There's victory at the beginning. <laughs> so, Heavenly Father, as we close, Lord, if there's if there's business that needs to be done with you this morning, a simple thank you, or, Lord, confession, Lord, the, 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 the altar is open for that. And I pray that you would move on us this morning to recalibrate our hearts with you. So, thank you, Jesus. Let's sing this song and and we'll close.
1: to see.
0: So I we thank you for this morning we thank you for life Lord that you woke us up and from the time that we wake up to when we put our head back on that pillow Lord I pray that our life could be a love story it could be a love song to you just saying that you didn't overpay for what you're getting in return and what you're getting in return Heavenly Father is complete dependence upon you is complete dependence upon you that in every moment we speak to you and wait for you to speak back that it's a it's a dialogue. It's not a monologue, Lord. It's a relationship that goes two ways. As we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning. What you're doing in us on an individual level, in a corporate level. It is by your will, your power, and your might. Not by our own. Lord, we submit to you this morning. We submit to your spirit and what you're doing pray that as we go from this place, this congregation, these people are covered by the blood of the Lamb and by the Holy Spirit, Lord, that the enemy has no jurisdiction in these people. The enemy has no jurisdiction at all in this place, Lord. Protect them. Go before them. Come after them. And Lord, continue to pursue them. We love you. We need you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, you're free to go.
1: the